In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It doesn't seem right after when a gospel ends with, Be awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. To be comfortable. <laughs> I, um, I was not much of a Boy Scout. I, I, I joined late. In fact, I joined when we, they had graduated from, um, uh, from Cub Scouts to Weeblos. And, and as a pudgy little kid in that blue uniform, I felt more like a Weeble than a Weeblo. Remember the Weebles? Wobble, but they don't fall down. I didn't last long in the Cub Scouts. Um, there was no camping trip in sight, which is really why I, I joined. And so I, I bailed. But I, I didn't stay long enough to remember the Cub Scout oath, but I do remember the motto. I bet you do too. What is it? Be prepared. And did you know that there's actually, if you go to the Boy Scouts of America website, the motto, it's not just be prepared, but it's be prepared. It has an exclamation point. They include the exclamation point. It's very important, they know, to be prepared. I wonder if Jesus was telling this parable today, if instead of ten bridesmaids, he would have said there were ten boys. And five of them were Boy Scouts. And five of them, unfortunately, were not. Instead of being wise and foolish, they were they knew, some knew the importance of being prepared, others not so much. Now before we start to feel too bad for the, the foolish bridesmaids in the parable, or too critical of the wise bridesmaids for being stingy and not sharing their oil, have y'all thought about that? I thought you did, I thought you might. Y'all are compassionate people. It's important to remember that, that in first century Palestine, weddings went pretty much according to plan, all weddings. And there was a, a format, a formula that they followed. And so the bridesmaids knew what their duty was. What would happen is that at an appointed day, not an hour, but at some point, the groom and his family and friends would gather in their little location. And then they would come and they... And who knows what they did? Maybe they had a little party beforehand. Maybe they, maybe they kind of worked out, you know, who the saints should start. I don't know. But, but it might take a while. But they would eventually walk to the bride's and her family's house. And they would take care of some formalities. And then the feast would begin. And it would be multiple days. And so the exact hour, because they didn't have one of those handy t watches in their pocket that we call a cell phone, and so they didn't have an exact time. They knew. Bridesmaids knew their job was to wait and to welcome. And they had to be prepared. Five were. Five weren't. They knew their job was to, be, was to wait and to welcome. And some of them did and some of them didn't. It's important for us to know what is, what is our job? What is our duty? And Jesus is communicating that to the people that he's teaching there in Jerusalem. Remember, this is taking place just before he is arrested and tortured and crucified and rises and then ascends. 
Matthew is telling this story to a community probably in 80 or 90 A.D. So they too knew of Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension. They were also a community of mainly Jews, but a growing number of Gentiles. They had seen the destruction of the temple. They had experienced the persecution of the Roman emperor. And in that context, they are asking, when is Jesus coming again? And what are we supposed to do in the meantime? When is Jesus coming back? And what are, what are our duties while we wait? And so this passage is particularly important to them and to us too. What Jesus is saying is that the first question, when will I return? I'll give you a clue. You're not going to know the day nor the hour. Which is also, therefore, the answer to the second question. What are we supposed to do? Stay prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. Now, for the bridesmaids, the parable holds up this, this, this analogy of having enough oil. And now to South Louisianians, having just finished past a hurricane, you know a little something about this, don't you? How many of you filled up your cars with gas before Hurricane Zeta came? If you have a generator, I bet you bought enough oil and gas to keep the generator going. Good Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, staying prepared. If we don't know the day or the hour, we have to stay prepared all the time. But what, what is the spiritual equivalent of a five-gallon bucket of oil or gas? Is it, is it good deeds? You know, can we just fill up a, a whole container of good deeds so when Jesus comes, we can say, hey, look at this. Is it coming to church on Sunday? Is it receiving the sacrament? Does that somehow create a reservoir of oil, spiritual oil? I don't have anything against it, and I think those are critical, but they are part of a deeper truth that is the oil of our lives, which is our relationship with God. That's what we have to keep, deepen, maintain, cultivate, always, because we don't know the day or the hour. We always have to keep this relationship with God as, at the center of our lives. I think that's why, at the end, the Lord says, I don't know you. It's not that I don't, wouldn't want to let you in, but I just don't know you. Does God know us? It's not enough for us to know about God. Our calling, our invitation, the gift that God gives us is to know God. I think that's why the bridesmaids who were wise, who had enough oil, who had this relationship, they can't share that. Our relationship with God, we can share it within a community, but it's really up to each and every one of us to have that relationship with God. It's not enough for me to be married to someone who has a really close relationship with God in Christ? No. Sometimes priests hear that. Some of you have said this to me. 
You pray for me because you have the direct line. I don't. Our relationship with God, we can share together, but I can't give you mine. You can't give me yours. As we wait for the coming of Christ to set all things right once and for all, we have to be prepared by maintaining this, the priority and health of that relationship, our individual relationships with God. Through Jesus, powered by the Holy Spirit. It's God's good gift, God's good pleasure to give it to us. There's plenty of oil coming from God, but we've got to get it. So how do we do that? How do we make that relationship a priority in our lives? Uh, Max Baker in 1940 was about to be shipped off to the Army Corps, uh, Air Corps. And his grandmother and his aunt gave him a Bible. And in the inside cover of the Bible, they wrote these words. Give God the morning's first minutes, and he will bless the day's long hours. Give God the morning's first minutes, and God will bless the day's long hours. Max was on the second, his bunk was on the second floor of a concrete reinforced bunker in Pearl Harbor. And on the second Japanese raid, a bomb hit his barracks. When he went to his bunk, the only possession that remained was that Bible. We cultivate, we deepen, we maintain our relationship with God by giving God the days, the morning's first minutes. And by doing that, we find the day's long hours are blessed with this presence of God, this relationship with God. Our time is one way to do that, to prioritize that relationship. But there's another way, too, and it's with our financial lives. Because, you see... 40% of Jesus' parables are about money, property, and possessions. Because Jesus knows, Jesus knows the power of money to distract and corrupt and diminish our primary relationship with God. Jesus knows that we need to give. We need to give, just like the morning's first minutes, we need to give the first fruits of our income. Because when we do, the rest of our financial lives are blessed. Not because Jesus is a good return on investment, but because our lives are centered in the providence of God, in the goodness of God, in the generosity of God, in this awareness that everything we have comes from God. And with that gratitude, we become generous. And then when we're generous, we're seeing more and more, and so we're more and more grateful. You're going to know, you already know, you're going to hear, but you already know the church has bills to pay. Do you know that? Does that surprise anyone? But what I'm here to tell you is that we need to give. We need to give 
so that the rest of our lives, the entirety of our lives will be blessed. We need to give because God is a giver. We need to give so that our primary relationship is prioritized and not distracted by fear of money, either having too much or defending it too cruelly or hoarding it too closely. We need to give so that we can always remember where all of these blessings come from. All things come from God. And it's of God's own that we give. And when we do, our relationship, our primary relationship with God is the center of our lives. Be prepared. Stay prepared. Be prepared for a new and deeper awareness of how much God has given us. It's God's gift when we give back. Be prepared.